Welcome to China in Context. I'm Duncan Bartlett. For 15 years, I covered news about Asia for the BBC. My time in the newsroom lasted from the year 2000 to 2015, and it coincided with a period when China was rising ever higher up the agenda. China continues to make the headlines around the world a clear consequence of its growing economic and geopolitical importance. As a result, China is scrutinized as never before. And when foreign correspondents cover China, they often focus on difficult issues. Stories about crime, dissent and disaster are seized upon as news. This has political implications as the Chinese Communist Party does not welcome reports about the nation's problems. Furthermore, there's a sharp difference in tone between the international press, which sometimes seems obsessed with negative news, and the upbeat mood of the Chinese state media, which is tightly controlled by the state. Well, joining me on the podcast today is a highly experienced journalist who leads a team of broadcasters covering China for an international audience. He's Howard Zhang, editor of the BBC's Chinese service. Howard, welcome to the podcast. Can I start by asking, what are your principles that you and your colleagues use at the BBC when you're reporting China? We uh, take to heart BBC's editorial guidelines, uh, accuracy, independence, and uh, impartiality. Uh, For example, we always uh, follow the two sources rule. So whenever there is a news event or something happening, we try our utmost to get two uh, credible sources uh, for the story before we can run it. And uh, unless the story is from our, directly from our correspondence on the ground. I watched a press conference in Washington recently at which Ned Price, a State Department spokesperson, made some comments about reporting China. He said, the People's Republic of China's government claims to welcome foreign media and support their work but its actions tell a different story. What's your view on that statement? I think it's a matter of perspective. Uh, First of all, we have to understand in the uh, Chinese uh, communist system, they uh, do see journalism and the functions media uh, quite differently from how journalism and media are seen here in the the outside world, in the uh, democratic side of the world. And I want to be fair, compared to how Chinese domestic media organization and journalists are treated, are dealt with. In a, in a sense, it is true. The PRC government allows a lot more, uh, relatively, a lot more freedom and leeway, uh, flexibility for international media, especially major uh, international media organizations such as the BBC, simply because on one level, they do Uh, want to maintain reasonable relations with the outside world and uh, put up the appearances and to understand the reach, impact and influence the big international media organizations have. Uh, At the same time, there is a tolerance threshold towards uh, international media. It's uh, well said and then, you know, when they go cover stories, if it's just about the economic development, it's about Chinese people, culture, society. Uh, Those are the things I think the government in China would allow uh, most international media organizations, certain 
latitude and uh, you know way of freedom but it becomes a lot more problematic if the story focus start to shift towards social issues dissent you know ethnic tensions uh, sometimes even natural disasters questioning the government's response or uh, putting the government authority uh, at question and those are the the times when all of a sudden uh, the efficiency's attitude change from the relative tolerance we've mentioned to a, a lot harsher approach and uh, and from our side from the western media perspective a part of our raison d'etre is to keep an eye on power if we're only there to showcase the good side of china to uh, and then we we're essentially doing the job for the propaganda department of the chinese communist party and we, we failed in our mission. Whether you know the uh, argument that Western media only focuses or focuses too much on the negative side of things in China, or some in China even suggest that there, there's a uh, propaganda agenda from the West. Well, that I can't really speak for any other media organization, but from my personal day-to-day -day work at the BBC, I can categorically say absolutely not. Do we see things differently? Uh, absolutely, yes. Uh, if anyone independently examines the BBC's overall international coverage, in coverage on China, and uh, we cover everything. I wonder if there's a cultural issue here, though. Chinese society is different to America and Europe on many levels, and this affects the role of many professions. I'm assuming this must also affect journalists. I, I do think public in US, Europe, or the West in general, tend to have a higher tolerance for difference of opinion. Uh, people know, you know how to agree to disagree. It's a more mature public debate culture. But overall, generally, people still tend to understand things are not necessarily just black and white. And in that respect, not only in mainland China, even in some uh, democratic parts of East Asia, general population tend to see journalists uh, more as guardians of definitive truth, uh, fairness. There's a sense of, of almost public duty attached to the job, and people tend to react a lot more emotionally uh, and sometimes more aggressively to a more partisan view. Uh, in recent debates, uh, you know, here in the UK, for example, on Brexit, on COVID lockdown, we, we do occasionally see a flare of that kind of polarized sentiment. But in, I guess in mainland China now, especially with sometimes, uh, you know, government almost encouraged uh, nationalist uh, twist to things and uh, in uh, elections, past elections in in Taiwan, in uh, and a recent uh, protest debate in Hong Kong, we do see people start to, to, to take a lot more rigid kind of a polarized view on things. And uh, journalists are, are caught in the middle in that sense a lot more than, than here in the West. Well, let's talk about the way journalists work. Can I ask you about press conferences? I've noticed that press events in China have a very different atmosphere to those staged in other countries. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, here, you know, 
the press conference is just part of the media scene. You know, government side would try to get their sound clips out through the media, and the media would try their best to get a few headline-grabbing quotes and uh, to to make the better headline, the better story, and challenge the official officialdom in a few words. That's part of the game. And in China, I guess essentially the press events are managed. They they're part of the bigger government propaganda campaign in a sense, and the international journals do. Always want to use the opportunity to put in a challenging question, a query, but often what they really, really get is uh, you know very belligerent answers. Uh, recently, I think there's an example. Uh, one journalist stood up and queried exactly the same thing we talked about earlier about journalists being harassed, and uh, the press person gave a really blunt and almost hostile answer. And saying, "Well, it's for you guys to reflect, and the people do not love and hate for no reason." So <laughs> that—that's the type of response. Almost so, how do people take that as as an answer? And、uh, so it's up to the journalist to reflect. And if you report along this line too much, people will hate you. And you should know the reason. Is that how the interpretation should be? So that's an example of how different the press culture is. What about interviews? The BBC conducts hundreds of interviews every week. Are you able to interview decision makers and politicians in China?、Uh, I guess the very simple answer is、uh, no.、Um, although I have to say, in the past, one、uh, the domestic. Politics in China, as well as the、uh, international relations side, it was not as bad as now. And in better times, I do remember having、uh, the occasions of having one or two officials coming to BBC programs, but not in recent、uh, years. The BBC doesn't just make news and current affairs programs. There are many other shows which touch on politics. For example, comedies which make satirical jokes about politicians. They're very popular on TV and radio in the UK. What's the attitude in China towards the media lampooning people in authority,、uh, especially in mainland China, because of its form of government? It's almost unthinkable to portray. Uh, a politician or all the politicians in anything but absolute authority or self-assuredness, all the positive images. Hong Kong for a while, for before the、uh, imposition of the national security law, had a culture of poking fun at politicians.、Uh, there was even once a、uh, show on the Hong Kong's main public broadcaster, RTHK Radio Television Hong Kong,、uh, weekly. Mocking politicians in good humor—it's almost、uh, like one of those satirical shows on、um, channels here in the in the UK. But that's all gone now. Several international journalists who've worked in China have told me that they've been disturbed by reactions to their reports on Weibo, which is a Chinese social media site. Can you explain a bit more about Weibo and its users? So、uh, Weibo. Essentially, means Wei means micro, and Bo means it's a short for blog. So it's a micro blog, and、uh, it's the Chinese equivalent of Twitter.、Uh, it's been extremely, extremely popular, and it's got, I think, 
a billion or so users now, if not more. And uh, in its infancy, early days, there was a glimmer of hope that this could somehow become the useful public forum that China so uh, desperately needed. Uh, although still in some way cons uh, you know, constricted or controlled or censored by the authorities, people thought they could air some uh, opinions and uh, you know, uh, they were for a time. You know, for example, uh, in the early days, people posted uh, missing children's information and uh, some kidnapped children were found through uh, Weibo tweets. And uh, so in that sense, we, there was a really good time at the very beginning. But then some uh, leading commentators and showbiz stars start to get followers in the tens of millions, tens of millions, enormous uh, influence and the authorities start to pay a lot more attention to the system now everybody knows uh, whatever you post are monitored not only by machines uh, you know artificial intelligence uh, but also now increasingly increasingly by organized armies of millions of monitors uh, who uh, carve up the country in, in grids essentially and each monitor X, you know, hundreds or thousands of uh, people and uh, making sure the moment there's a tip from the artificial intelligence machine to say there's maybe a dangerous trend of certain opinions, they will come in, delete certain posts, but, and then post other things uh, to, to guide the public opinion trends. And uh, that's what I guess lots of the Brit uh, not only BBC, but I guess international media uh, reporters in China face when they do a report and uh, one tiny bit will be picked up and twisted and posted on, on Weibo and then a huge propaganda campaign will be launched against them in an instant and they will become the whipping boys of uh, the entire kind of national wrath that will descend on them. That That's sometimes uh, really, really scary if you're in the middle of it. Finally, I'd like to hear a bit more about your view on the connection between the media and the geopolitical tension between China and the United States. Is the press causing tensions to rise by focusing on the negative issues in reports, or is the media right to keep warning us of danger? <laughs> I can't speak for the uh, Chinese media side, and uh, they do uh, report and uh, say lots of really uh, feisty, scary things as well, especially the likes of the Global Times also warning impending doom if uh, you know, the West or you know, some of the uh, perceived opponents or, or of Chinese uh, government do not repent. And uh, so, you know, I can't speak for them. But for our side, in terms of daily work, we, 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 we interview, we report, we investigate. It's more driven by the news events. Uh, we report both good and bad. The warnings are from experts, their views, and uh, sometimes it's, it's facts on the ground. Uh, whether we report too much negative, that again goes back to the model of the media in the West. We're there to spot, you know, what's wrong with 
the powers that be, and uh, we're there to to serve as the monitor of society. We're not there to uh, be be the PR and uh, just just look back at the, the last Cold War when the U.S. and Soviet Union going head to head in every uh, area. And if you go back and look at all the media reports, there were loads and loads of dire warning of impending nuclear tension, disasters, arms race, and uh, a real hot war breaking out. And yes, the world did not end up in Armageddon, but was the media right or wrong to warn us of the dangers? Thank you, Howard. That was Howard Jiang, China editor of the BBC. This podcast is produced by the SOAS China Institute, and you can find out more about our activities, including our latest courses and research, on our website. The website is SOAS, that's S-O-A-S dot A-C dot U-K. Alternatively, you can type SOAS China Institute into a search engine and it should pop up straight away. But until next time, that's all from us here on the China in Context podcast team.